Hello. Senator Warnock says Americans need to repent of their whiteness as the Georgia runoffs are heating up. Let's discuss. Welcome to the Forge and Anvil podcast, where we embrace uncomfortable conversations about culture and politics to sharpen ourselves for the race set before us. My name is Connor. I am host of this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, feel free to go to forgeandanvil.locals.com. We appreciate your support. Joining us back again is Jason from Dear Woke Christian. Jason, say hi. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Who are you and what do you do? All right. So again, my name is Jason. I am the author of Dear Woke Christian on YouTube, as well as on Instagram and Twitter and all those other places, Gab, as well as DearWokeChristian.com. I write a blog and do videos addressing critical race theory and social justice and how they do not match up with God's word. So that is what I do. And I'm glad to be back, man. Thank you all for having me talk about a dicey topic. Sure thing. And back as always, regular guest of the show, Michael Aper. Hello, friends. My name is Michael Aper. I'm a student of scripture, and I'm just desperate for God's righteousness to come into our culture in a real way. Awesome. All righty. So let's dive right in. So, Jason, can you please explain to our viewers what is going on in Georgia and why there is a thing called runoff elections? I love it. So we had a senatorial midterm election between a incumbent senator, Raphael Warnock, and a a um, challenger, Herschel Walker. Raphael Warnock is a Democrat. Herschel Walker is a Republican, and it seemed like it would have been a shoe in because, of course, Herschel Herschel Walker is new to the political scene, whereas Raphael Warnock has been a senator for two years. The problem is, it didn't go like they thought it would. Um, the, they, they did not, neither candidate got 50% or 51% of the votes. So therefore they would go into what's called a runoff. So the like midterms were of course that second week in November. So now it's kind of like Groundhog's Day here in Georgia. We had to accept almost four more weeks of political campaigning um, and the such like that phone calls and robocalls and mailings and the such like that to get us back out, to get everyone to vote again and whoever gets the um, whoever gets the majority of votes after that will become the next senator from Georgia. So that's the runoff system in a real quick, ugly nutshell. Awesome. Well, we're going to try our best to discuss both candidates so that uh, individuals from Georgia who may be watching this can kind of be a little bit more informed of what they can expect um, out of the candidates. So let's go ahead and start with Raphael Warnock. So um, Jason, what are your initial thoughts on him in terms of his policies as well as him as an individual? Um, I think it's interesting because he is a, he's been a senator for two years. So that means he was a senator during the brunt of COVID. I wasn't impressed with his leadership. And what I mean by that is the things that he proposed and things that he supported from Washington, D.C. that it helped, that was, I'm sorry, that should have helped Georgia as well as the world, the nation as a whole. I didn't like those. Um, I wasn't a fan of the lockdowns. I wasn't a fan of the ex- exorbitant amount of spending that we did in the such of that nature. So he has a track record that many people are looking at now. And I think that's part of the parcel why he didn't um, win as handily as they thought he would have won during the midterm elections that people could, could go back and look and see what he's already signed off on and look and see what he's already done 
and they weren't really that impressed. So that's my initial perception of uh, Mr. Warnock. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of uh, spending a bunch of money, Warnock is pastor, a, a pastor, as you know, and mm-hmm. his church, Ebenezer Baptist Church, pays a $7,417 monthly housing allowance to him as their senior pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also 99% owner of the Columbia Tower at MLK Village. Uh, residents there have actually received eviction notices for owing as little as $25.88 in the past. Um, now, that's according to the reporting done by Free Beacon. So um, that's definitely a lot of controversy that's been surrounding Warnock. So, Jason, what was your initial reaction to this story? I'm just trying to figure out how he's getting a housing allowance and he doesn't live in Georgia anymore. Mm. He's a senator. Like, what are, what are they house allowancing for? I think that's very interesting to me. But I've always been scratching my head, like, how are Democrats getting away with a lot of the things they're doing as it relates to religion and church? Mm. Um, I'm sure you all have seen. Uh, him even this past even yesterday at a church and they were doing a very big service for him laying hands and speaking in tongues and declaring and decreeing his victory and all that kind of stuff i was like is that not christian nationalism people so i'm really confused how he has a housing allowance anyway i mean how is he pastoring and running doing his, his duties in dc i don't understand that but it is what it is. So that was my thoughts initially on it. Yeah. Michael, how would you like to make uh, $7,417 for housing a month? <laughs> That'd be all right. Yeah. I'd take seven grand a month to do anything really. But that's... <laughs> Well, we all know that we go into ministry to make the big bucks. So true. Oh, yeah. It's true. And to have high influence in governance. That's exactly why we pursue ministry. No, it's it's funny even looking at Warnock's uh, like his campaign page. He's just left and right talking about how he's Reverend Raphael and he's mm-hmm. in charge of the same heritage as MLK. And I wonder what Martin Luther King Jr. would think of his policies and of what he's done in that namesake. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a fight. I'm reading a book called Color, Communism, and Common Sense. And it was written by a Black man who was a part of the Communist Party here in the United States. Um, yeah, I think uh, Raphael's doing exactly what Martin Luther King Jr. would want him to have done. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a quick read, too. It's not very long, it's, but it is insightful. Like, whoa. So... I'd a lot of people are not very aware that MLK was a, a... He was a mixed bag. He definitely had some... Um, great nuggets from his speeches that really um, a lot of people, um, you know, think embody the bulk of his work, but there's definitely a mixed bag in terms of what he believed economically. I'll even go as far as say this. I I know very few people who can point to me a sermon that he preached in a, in, in Ebenezer that wasn't a campaign political rally or anything, just a Sunday morning sermon. Very few people can point those out because, I think he never actually did those things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. and hear me. Uh, and full disclosure, by the way, more um, Raphael Warnock, as well as Martin Luther King Jr., both attended Morehouse College, where I am an alumni, class of 99. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying this as just a, an ancillary fellow that doesn't uh, 
like either of those gentlemen. But but don't worry about it. I have some things to say about Herschel Walker too. Don't worry. <laughs> well, there we go. We'll definitely get to that. So um, focusing on Warnock for just a little bit longer here, Jason, you've been a vocal critic of some of the past statements made by mm-hmm. Pastor Senator Warnock. Uh, he said in the past that Americans need to repent for their whiteness. Mm-hmm. In addition to that, his church recently hosted a Super Voter Saturday panel discussion last weekend and aired a pre-tape 2020 sermon by Reverend Billy Honor that said the following, quote, there is nothing about evangelical white Christianity that would make you think it values black lives. The fact that this is a tradition that devalues black bodies so much so that the devaluing of black bodies is about as American as apple pie. So I want to get both your thoughts on those quotes there. But uh, Michael, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on a church hosting a super voter Saturday? Also, should Americans repent of their whiteness? (laughs) Some loaded questions. Now, when it comes to a super voter Saturday at the church, we've talked at great length in the past about using the pulpit as a platform for for political works. And the bottom line is, I don't think that's appropriate. That's gonna suffice to say, I don't know if that's a, that's how the kingdom of God should be working through our churches. Mm -hmm. Now, whether, I, I don't know, so people repenting for their whiteness is one thing, but talking about going off of your your quote how the white evangelical church does not value black bodies that pisses me off just to hear that as a notion pisses me off and if that's what it means to be an evangelical then i'd rather follow christ i don't know that's there's so many different things to be said about this that it's not I don't know. I'm curious to hear what Jason has to say because he probably has a much more concise way of putting this together into thought. I'm I'm here to help you out, my friend. I'm here to help you out. They use a lot of terms that just don't make any sense. They make no sense at all. What does it mean to respect black bodies? Do you mean respect black people? Like I'm more than a body. Like I'm more than just a a pawn piece that you move around a board. I'm a whole grown man. I got a wife and two kids. And like, wh- why am I a body? What does that term mean? That's that's silliness. But what is it about white evangelical? I'm sorry, somebody needs to push back on and say, excuse me, what is it that they don't respect? What does Connor, what does Mike, what does whomever not respect about me? What is it? Tell me specifically and directly because otherwise, sir, you're bearing false witness. That's it. You're making a claim that has no, no grounding or no bearing and it's false. That's a lie, sir. You're bearing false witness and you're doing it in God's church. So I think you're almost taking the Lord's name in vain. So I think you should probably stop talking so much. And so I don't know what they're talking about. So I wouldn't even be offended by it. I'm like, because I, rather than get offended, I've learned if you just ask more questions, you find out these people don't know what they're talking about. They're just saying things. They've heard these statements that, and I've heard countless because I've listened to entirely too many speeches and lectures and spiritual TED Talks. I've heard too many people say these type of things. I was like, ah, black bodies. I've heard that one before. I already know it. Yeah. They don't even know what it means. <laughs> They're just saying it because I've heard, I'm parroting it because I've heard somebody else, some other luminary say it and that's it. And it makes, it sounds, it sounds dramatic. Like they don't care about black bodies. 
<laughs> so it's just dumb. So yeah, don't don't be upset about it. Just push back and ask questions because I would have easily raised my hand and said, "Sir, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking what about?" Upsets me is not not that the accusations would be true, but that the accusations are uh, what I hear in this quote is the implication is that because I'm a white evangelical, therefore I devalue mm-hmm. black people and their bodies, whatever yeah. that means. I I'm gonna like tell you right now. I'm here to cause a fight. I'm telling y'all, read this. Read this book. Because it, it shows you what the Communist Party did in the 60s. And we can see this played out today. Even some of the terms. Like, literally, there are phrases in here and whole sentences that sound like Raphael Warnock just said it yesterday. It sounds just like people are saying it today. And it's meant to divide the body of Christ. Hmm. It's meant, they, they say things like white evangelicals. Like, anybody ever ask? What is what is the doctrinal statement of white evangelicalism? Has anybody ever asked that? Yeah. Has anybody ever said like matter of fact? I, I did a review this morning on a gentleman who is expounding. Uh, he's expounding that there were Christians on the continent of Africa well before chattel slavery. That fixes a lot of problems. Matter of fact, even said it goes as far to say that they were Christians when they left and they were Christians when they landed here in the United States as slaves. That's fantastic. The only problem is he's on the stage on a, on a quote unquote ministry that has made lots of hay, lots of hay discussing white Christianity. Well, what is the white Christianity if they were black folk that were Christian when they left and they were black Christians when they landed here? What's the white Christianity? They don't have any. So again, so we just need to ask more questions and push back a whole lot more. Say, well, before you impugn me, before you stone me, if you don't mind, could you tell me? A little bit more clearly, what's the doctrinal statement of white evangelicalism? What's the doctrinal statement of black evangelicalism or whatever? What is it? Because I guarantee you they don't know it or it sounds exactly like what we already believe. Absolutely. And they definitely do an interesting uh, job of depicting white evangelical Christianity as if it's its own separate institution altogether. Absolutely. And I thought there was just one Christianity. I thought there was just one way to be a Christ follower. And that was just by following Christ. But, you know, apparently we have to, um, you know, separate everything by race, even one that is such a non, a, a non issue in terms of your ability to follow Christ. But right. that's just me. Now, I want to go ahead and jump uh, over. I'll derail us a little bit and go oh. to Herschel Walker um, because we want to make sure that we uh, we give Herschel Walker some focus as well here. So um, Herschel Walker has been accused of paying for one of his past love interests to get an abortion. That's been a big controversy that surrounded him. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason, what has been your reaction to these claims and how should Christians react to this news? Well, it's very possible that he did. Very possible that he did. And it's also very possible that I was speeding yesterday when I was on my way to church. And I'm pretty sure that Mike did not count all those grapes when he was at the grocery store getting those grapes the other day. You know what? I think he's a sinner, just like me. So rather than regale and act like we're not sinners, because I, I think it's adorable that Raphael Warnock, the pro-choice pastor, seems to be up in the tizzy because Herschel Walker may have had had a uh, love interest in abortion. Well, sir, you're the pro-choice pastor. What are you talking about? So (laughs) I think most people are willing, like whatever, 
I mean, they're they're not even they're not even phased by it. But me, I'm like, hey, if the man has repented about it, let's say he did. In fact, do it. I don't know for a fact, but let's say he did. You know what? We can extend grace because I need grace because I know I'm a sinner. I know I mess up all the time and twice on Sundays. So rather than act like I am not, I'm going to say, hey, if he did, that's what it is. But that doesn't change that we're not hiring him as our senator because of his his because what he did himself. We want him to do for the state of Georgia. So if you're trying to say that he's a hypocrite, please miss me. You have a pro-choice pastor as your previous senator. So miss me with that. Like, let's mm -hmm. let's stop feigning self-righteousness, people. So that's my take on it. Yeah. And ironically, the left side of the aisle has uh, has issue with abortion when it's convenient for them. But of course, they are pro-abortion by their stances. So that's always an interesting, uh, <laughs> interesting jump in logic that I, I cannot I cannot entertain. Um, now, Herschel's son has also come out and publicly bashed his father for not being involved enough in his life. Uh, he yeah, accused him of being a liar and a fraud. Um, so Jason, I don't know if you have any response to those criticisms as well. Yeah, he probably wasn't a good dad. Okay. I hate to say it, but y'all do know that Raphael Warnock has kids too. I mean, he's got, he's got an ex-wife, he's got kids as well. So, I mean, the problem is the Republican party wasn't willing to stick a microphone in his face and ask him, ask his kids questions. So there, there we go. I, I don't, I hate to say it. I don't care. I mean, it, it's bad business. I pray the man actually does reconcile with his kid. I think that would be a wonderful story of God's grace and um, restoration in that family. But at the end of the day, is that what we're doing? Is that what we're doing now? We're looking at people's lives like that. Is that really what we're doing? Because y'all do realize the president you have in office right now, right? We're talking about relationship <laughs> between kids and their granddaughters and stuff like that. Really? Is that what we're doing? Because otherwise, then we can go ahead and clear out all of D.C. It'll, it'll drain up the swamp in a hot second. But that's not what y'all are doing. You're only doing it because it's one person. So it's this particular person. But keep in mind, at the end of the day, we've never said that he was a, a man of stellar um, um, constitution and such of that nature. We just said that we want him to be our senator and do a better job than the one that we currently have. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's one of those issues where um, people want to make politics personal. And I, I believe as a Christian that we should be focused in on policy um, when we are electing individuals. Um, but of course, that's not how the game is played. And unfortunately, it is a matter of who can smear who in the uh, the court of public opinion, the, the fastest and the most aggressively. But um, now maybe to go on to policies as well as maybe what some would say could be valid concerns. Um, many have implied that Herschel Walker is not very bright. Um, in fact, a pastor recently referred to him as El Stupido from the pulpit. Mm -hmm. So I want to get both your thoughts on this, but let's go ahead and start with Michael of your reaction to the El Stupido comment and Herschel Walker's intellect. Well, for one, I don't know why El Stupido is the, uh, <laughs> the choice insult, but you've heard that it is said, do not murder but I tell you that even if you say Racha, which is, you know, That's shut true. up, like fool, you idiot, to your brother, you've murdered him in your heart. So I think that's just another position of hypocrisy from the pulpit. Not that every pastor is going to get it exactly right and say exactly the right things. But 
intellectual arguments are one thing, but name calling, I think, falls in a different category. And as far as intellectual things concerning uh, Herschel Walker, there's a stigma about his athleticism. I mean, that was even on SNL, whenever it was, I forget how long ago that was on, where they're making fun of Herschel Walker because he's supposed to be this oaf who can't string sentences together correctly because he all he knows is football. And I, again, it's just smearing. It's uh, got nothing to do with his policy. It's got nothing to do with his perspectives. Admittedly, I haven't heard him speak a whole lot of times. I haven't been as involved as I'm sure Jason has been in, in the Georgia State runnings. But oh, come on, man, Georgia's great. Come on down here. Yeah. <laughs> I like it up here in Kentucky. It's it's going all right. <laughs> all right, we'll see when it snows. We'll see when it snows, my friend. Yeah, that's true. But, so go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, just one last thing on on uh, Herschel Walker on his campaigning website and the little biography section. Mm -hmm. uh, he he self-identifies as being diagnosed with dis disassociative identity disorder and being uh, that being a result of trauma in his childhood. And he's passionate about mental health and helping people out from that. So it almost makes me wonder, okay, from a, what would seem to be a more liberal perspective of protecting mental health issues and accommodating those things it just doesn't line up to then turn around and if this guy does have any intellectual issues you're really gonna like use that in the campaigning against him that doesn't seem doesn't seem to add up with the agenda but not much does so nothing new there and no i agree with that i think i i think it goes to more than the the comments from the pulpit, because there's a ton of them. There have been a ton of comments about, um, you know, Jamal Bryant did a whole sermon. We don't need a walker. We need a runner um, and, and such of that nature. And the thing is, I think people people in the pulpit, those, those men that are supposed to be speaking with us, say the Lord, are not realizing is that they are showing their church to be nothing more than just the, uh, the speaking, the Sunday spiritual speaking arm of CNN. They're, they're not, why would somebody want to come to your church um, and they have real problems? They really want to come and find out who Christ is. Why? If they know this is what you do to people that disagree with you politically, then what are you going to do about me if I tell you my sins? If I really come to you and come, you know, come and have counseling and, and try to get some real things worked out, what are you going to do to me? If, if I yeah. tell you, what if I tell you that I voted for him? Like, what if I tell you, hey, I voted for Herschel Walker, but by the way, this is what's going on in my life. You're going to eviscerate me. You're going to drag me around or whatever like that. So I think they don't realize that they are doing such a horrible job of representing Christ and his church in the way that we should, because we're looking like, well, I'm sorry, they are looking like there's no difference between the democratic speaking points and the pulpit. And, and like, like as, as if Christ church is an arm of the Democrat or Republican parties, but I haven't found a, a, anything of the example of Stacy and Raphael in churches. Um, I haven't seen anything of Brian Kemp or Herschel Walker in churches like Stacy and Raphael were because they were in there all the time. That's just my observation. 
Hmm. It reminds me of, and this is kind of a, an aside really, but I've got close friends here at the seminary who are from Zimbabwe and are trying to become educated in Christian doctrine so that they can go back into their country and make a difference in the movement of the church in Zimbabwe. One of the biggest problems within the, the Christian religiosity of Zimbabwe is that it's inundated with a lot of ritualism and tribalism that takes form in the sense that instead of pastors, they have what they call prophets. And these prophets are highly influential people who are speaking over and prophesying and, and gaining incredible influence over the people. And the, they amass a following from the, their congregations so that when the prophet says something, everybody else makes sure it comes true because the prophet said so. And what's happening is then political candidates are engaging in this corruption because they're paying certain prophets enough to say, hey, tell the people to vote for me. So this quote unquote voting process or democracy is lost all of its value. And that's an extreme version of what I see and what comes to mind in my heart when I look at people in the in the pulpit who are engaging in politics in one direction or the other. You know, I, I don't I don't like when when democratic pastors are telling their congregations that it's righteous to vote democratic. And I don't like when conservative pastors are saying that Donald Trump is going to save our country. Right. Both of that is horrifyingly wrong. Correct. It's a misappropriation of what the community of the church is for and what it should serve. And, you know, ultimately where I think Christians belong is some sort of position where, you know, it makes me think of Joshua chapter two, when the angel of the Lord comes with a sword drawn to Joshua and Joshua, the first thing he says is, are you with us or against us? Right. And the angel says, neither. I come in the name of the Lord and I'm a commander of the angel's army. So the Lord's army. So I, in a weird way, I know this isn't necessarily a, an exact comparison, but I feel like Christians need to stand armed and ready with knowledge and righteousness. So that when someone says, are you Republican or democratic? Neither. I neither. I stand for the Lord and I will vote accordingly and yeah. I will act in my life in accordance to the word of the Lord. That's what I'd yeah. like to see from the church, from the evangelical church. <laughs> yeah. Even the white evangelical church. Even yeah. the white evangelical Even the white church. one. I love, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I agree completely, Michael. And that's, you know, part of the 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 message behind this podcast. That's why we're the Forge and Anvil. We hammer out these difficult conversations um, by trial of fire. Um, and we sharpen one another's iron sharpens iron. You know, there's, there's so much craziness going on in the world right now. So many narratives that are trying to constantly um, take us off the path of righteousness. And I think it is up to the church and um, leaders within the church to really be preaching God's word. Um, but I also think there is a responsibility that we have to actually engage in culture. And that's why, um, you know, what we do here is really important. And what Jason does on his own channel is extremely important as well with even reviewing, you know, reviewing uh, comic books and, and, uh, 
um, movies and uh, and media of the like, I think that that that's super crucial to give a, a Christian perspective on it, to relate it back to the word and to view everything using the, the word as our lens, not um, the world as our lens and then trying to look at the word with our worldly lens, hoping to um, use the word as a cudgel for whatever agenda that we have. So now that being said, to kind of jump um, back a little bit um, into Raphael Warnock, we talked a lot about some of his um, theological takes and some of his controversy that he's stated from the pulpit. Um, but uh, we haven't talked too much about his personal um, uh, critic criticisms that are revolving around him as well. So um, Warnock has been accused of domestic abuse by mm -hmm. his wife. Um, there's also been some additional abuse accusations um, levied at him due to a youth camp that he was involved in. Um, now, Jason, I'm not sure how familiar you are with that, with that uh, uh, story, but what, what is your understanding of these issues and how should Georgians react, especially our Christian viewers that are looking into getting some more information on how we should vote in this runoff election? Thanks. Good question. I think people, most Georgians that I know are looking at his actual policies that he has, um, that he's already been a part of. He's got 24 months of work experience that people can look back on his previous life before then, albeit rather, um, rather shady and shoddy. I mean, we can just look at what you've done right here, man. Like, look at your paycheck. Look at how much gas prices are. And that's it. That's all we need to look at. So I do think that some people are concerned about those things like that. But at the end of the day, we we, we got your work experience. <laughs> like, you, you get a promotion or you would get hot. You would get a um, an extension on your contract if you're a contract worker based upon the work you did, not necessarily the things you did at your house. So... And, and we're looking at the things that you've done in your work experience. And I feel like Mr. Warnock is, is lacking. He can say all day long to the cows come home, but sir, you're lacking, you're lacking significantly. So I think that's what people are looking at. So if he doesn't bring this home and doesn't win, I think it's going to be primarily because of this type of stuff where people are actually looking at your job performance rather than what you did with your, with your wife and, and such like that. Now, again, that's out there and some people, it might, sway people but really it's your, the work that you've already done hmm. yeah i'm encouraged to hear that uh, it sounds like the people that you talk to about this are actually looking at policy over personality that's absolutely a breath of fresh air because unfortunately i think that these personal attacks um sadly are very effective when it comes to politics but i'm glad to hear that in your scenario that doesn't seem to be the case um how would you describe the energy that's on the ground in Georgia right now? All right. So I went and voted today, yesterday after church. However, when I rode by that place yesterday, it was a madhouse. There were lots of people there yesterday. So, and they were of different stripes and different uh, flavors. So I'm believing that it's going to probably be another, sadly, I think it's going to probably be another close race. But, but I feel like lots of people, well, first of all, runoffs already kind of, um, sorry, midterms already don't have the, the appeal of a presidential election. Mm -hmm. Midterm runoffs are already kind of low. So I'm hoping that more people 
who have taken the time to you know review the the real data, re, review what what these candidates really stand for, are going to step into the box, and the people that are not informed are going to be discouraged and just not come. But um, at the current moment, though, I see lots of people excited about voting. What, however, they're going to vote, I see a lot of people excited about going to vote. So I'm hoping that that's a good sign for Republicans or a good sign for uh, Herschel Walker specifically. So. Hmm. So going back to Herschel Walker, then um, a lot of people have raised concerns about his lack of political experience. So um, we'll definitely get both of your opinions on that. Um, and in fact, we'll go ahead and start with Michael this time. But um, Michael, when you hear that someone has a lack of political experience, is that a deterrent for you to vote for them? Or is that maybe an encouragement? I'd like to look at it kind of like how Jason was already saying. What does the experience tell us? Because if mm -hmm. you've got a wealth of experience, you know, Joe Biden has a lot of experience. Yep. Not all of it is incredibly uh, motivating for me to want to vote for him. And in the contrary, you could say an example of the opposite would be Donald Trump, who is supposed to be this person who is completely separated from the political world. Well, I don't know if I buy that either, but this isn't about those candidates. Uh, as far as experience, I'm less concerned with experience in office and more concerned with experience in life and in virtue, uh, not even personal virtue, but like policy and ethics. I think somebody's perspective on ethics has a lot more to do with what their policies are going to be than how long they've been doing it. Yeah. I, li I like how you said that. Joe Biden has a lot of experience. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I Maybe love a little it. too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Jason, how about you? Is that a is that something that uh, would cause you to not vote for Walker? Mm -mm, no, because at this stage of the game, um, first of all, my hope and my my assurance is in my king. I'm just doing my very best to look at the because I've said before, I don't think Herschel Walker is a great candidate, period. Mm. So, I mean, and, and nor do I think Raphael Warnock was a good candidate. Let's just be honest. So. I'm just doing my, my hope is in Christ and the the men and women that are elected into these various and sundry offices. They do rule under Christ. So I'm just keeping my eye on him and I'm not looking to Raphael to solve my problems. I'm not looking to Herschel to, to fix my my issues. I know that Christ, my my life is in his hands and whatever those yahoos do is going to be what they do. So I think that needs to be our perspective and our need our outlook. Now, at the end of the day, I would love for him to make, I would love to have people in office that make godly laws that honor Christ, that allow us to live peaceable lives and do what we need to do in our, for our families and, of course, for our ministries. However, we live in a fallen world. And I think just being realistic, we just, we're just doing the best we can. My God, this is the best, this is the best we got. And I'm just going to elect the person I think will do the best job out of the two people, I think neither of them really are the best, but if that makes sense. So, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if I was in Georgia, I think I would probably hold my nose and vote Walker. 
Um, you know, and I say hold my nose because to be honest, we don't know what Walker would do in DC. But yeah. as we've already kind of pointed out throughout this uh this evening, we know already what uh we already know what Raphael Warnock has done in DC. And you know, regardless of whether you think that um, Herschel Walker has enough political experience or whether or not you think he's El Stupido, um, we can all say that Democrats elected John Fetterman in Pennsylvania. So I'm pretty sure that uh, if they can <laughs> elect someone who had a stroke and can't string together sentences, I think that El Stupido has his shot to uh, go to Washington, D.C. And um, I think we should be praying over whoever gets sent to D.C., whether it's Warnock or or whether it is Walker, and we should hope that they will bring glory to uh, the name of the Lord by how they choose to vote and how they choose to legislate. So um, that'd be my take if I was a Georgian, which I'm not. But uh, I hope this podcast has at least been um, helpful to any Georgians who may be listening to this and may be struggling with uh, what direction they're going to be voting when they get into that voting booth. So um, that being said, Jason, any closing bits of encouragement for our audience? No, I, I think just be, and this is for not only Georgians, but all of us, you know, be encouraged, man. Like we serve Christ. If you're not serving Christ, then there is the problem. You need to look into that as well. But we serve Christ and that's where our hope, our assurance lies in him, not in who is in elected office, who's fi- who's filling that those particular roles in the government. Our hope is in Christ. So that'd be my encouragement. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jason, where can people find you if they want to keep up with everything that you're doing? Well, you can find me at dearwokechristian.com. You can find me at dearwokechristian on YouTube. That's where I've spent most of my time as well. You can find me on Twitter and Gab. Um, but dearwokechristian.com is probably the best way because I have all my links are there. So you can find me in all the different various and sundry locations. Awesome. And real quick, do you want to give a glimpse at any uh, any big future projects you're working on? Well, this Saturday, I'm doing a project with a gentleman, an author. His name is Brian Shannon. He wrote a book called Missing Pillars. And I did a book review of that book. It's basically the, the summary of the importance of Black fathers to the Black community, as well as to um, society as a whole, and why that missing pillar is causing so many problems in society. So that's what I'm doing on Saturday, this Saturday coming up at seven. And um, I'm looking forward to doing it because it's going to be a really good conversation, Brian. And I have been really planning out an excellent conversation. So hopefully you'll check it out. Awesome. Michael, where can people find you? You can find me at all hours of the night reading commentaries on Matthew chapter 13. That's what I've got on my docket. Excellent. And we know you've been working on your Greek. So one of these days, we're going to expect you to give your outro in Greek. So just be prepared for that. I don't know if Koine Greek has the vocab for that. We'll we'll work on it, though. All right. Well, that's something for our audience to look forward to. Well, thank you so much for listening. We have been Forge and Anvil. If you want to support the show, go to forgeandanvil.locals.com and be sure to check out Jason at Deer Woke Christian. Thanks so much for listening. Take care, everybody.